We do start a new series today. We are going through Romans and we're doing it a little bit different in that uh, we are going to be going through it the entire year. And so we are going to go, we've got it in in sections. We're going to go through the first four chapters, the next four weeks, take a break, pick it back up after Easter, take a break, pick it back up. And then we'll finish out the year going through Romans. And we're super excited about this. And so um, I've got to give you a a little bit of, of, of background of Romans, but before I do, you can go ahead and put that on the screen. We've got resources with this series that there is a reading plan on our webpage. There are um, discussion questions for groups. I think there are devotionals. You saw the video about the After Church podcast where after uh, it, it posts on Sunday and it is really just an explanation of what the message was about, uh, uh, different insights and things like that. And then we also have these bookmarks. There's some on the front of the stage and some at the Information Center. I know you're thinking, why is a bookmark? There are definitions on the back. Romans is... is can be uh, kind of a deep book, and so we've got some definitions of what we're talking about, what it, what it means, the direction we're going, and so we are super excited about this. So let's talk about background. Um, just when we think about Romans, I've got to give you uh, some background on what, what was going on. Romans is a letter. Now, here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible, we call the Bible 66 books. There's 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Uh, but in the New Testament, a lot of those, those what we call books are really letters. 21 of them are letters. Out of the 27 books, 21 are letters. And when I say letters, they were letters written to churches, uh, inspired, uh, God-breathed letters for instruction for the church, this new phenomenon, the church that had just started, that God gives these instructions and in the form of letters. And the letters were brought to the church. Someone would read them. Uh, and, and so let me ask you this question. When's the last time you wrote a letter? Anybody written a letter this week? Oh man, we got a couple people. I am, I am surprised. Like it is like a, a lost art, isn't it? Just shoot a text, and so we start talking about writing letters. But used to, writing a letter was one of the major forms of communication. That when Leslie and I were dating, she was living in Florida. I don't know if you remember this, but when you called long distance, they charged you by the minute. You remember that? Man, that was a ripoff. Unless you work for the phone company. Like anything, if you lived in Covington to call Atlanta, it was long distance. You remember that? And so I would call her some, but it was a way cheaper to write a letter. And so you would look forward to getting this letter. And so Paul writes this letter to the church. It's read to the church. So Romans is a letter. We call, you're going to hear us call it a book, but it's really a, a letter. The second thing, it's written in 55 to 59 AD. Why this is important is this, is a lot of people who were there who were eyewitnesses to Jesus dying and rising from the dead were still alive. The ones who were eyewitnesses to the church being formed and seeing thousands of people, seeing the church be this movement, that they were eyewitnesses and they were part of it and they could validate what had happened. So it's a big deal there. And then the last part of the letter is Romans is written. Whenever they wrote a letter, when a letter was written in the New Testament, it was always to address either teaching what should be taught or false teaching, what has been taught, trying to correct that. And this is uh, addressing some false teaching, but really was creating some disunity between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And here's what had happened. In 49 AD, there was an ethnic cleansing, and so the Jews were forced to leave Rome. And so when they left Rome, it created a vacuum that the Gentiles took over the leadership positions in the church. And so they took over the the positions in the church, and the church was doing well. When 54 AD, the Jewish uh, Christians were allowed back, or all the Jews were allowed back into Rome. And so when the Jewish Christians came in, 
They started saying, hey, you don't just need Jesus. You got to obey the law. You've got to be circumcised. You got to do all these things. And so it created some friction. And Romans is written to talk about the unity that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ, this unifying thing. So that's the background. And so let's talk about today. Today's an intro message. Let's talk about today. I spent a long time in youth ministry. So I've got, I've got, I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can. Uh, and, and today I've got three words, three words that I want you to remember. There are three themes of the book of Romans, three themes, the word slave, the word sent and the word safe. And I've got a, an illustration or a prop for each one. And so let's go to the first one, slave for the gospel, slave for the gospel. Now, the scripture that Paul uses in Romans 1.1 that Melissa read says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never identified myself like that. Has anybody ever said that? A slave of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if we were honest today, we don't like to talk about being slaves to anything. Now, here's the truth. There's some things that I'm a slave to. I'm a slave to time. I can't stand to be late. Anybody with me? And then some of you are late all the time, and so I hate you. So I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I know we're all different. God's made us all different. I do. I can't stand to be like, I would rather be, and it's a waste of time. I would rather be 15 minutes early than to be late. As a matter of fact, the running joke at our house is when they ask me what time we're leaving, I give them a time. Everybody in my family knows it's 10 minutes earlier than that. They do. They just know. And it just, and, and it's taken a long time to, to get to that point. Do people understand? I just don't like to be late. I hate it when I'm late. Listen, I'm not just a slave to time though. I'm a slave to ice cream sandwiches. I'm serious. Now I've never met one I didn't like, you know what I'm talking about? I can't hardly walk by the freezer if they're in there and, and not get one. I know you're looking at me like, this is why you don't look. I know, I know I'm a slave to them. Or how many of you are a slave to coffee? Yeah. Listen, people actually get mad when they walk in here on Sunday and there's no coffee. The band is begging for it. We had these things that were slave, but we don't like this word slave. As a matter of fact, if you read different translations of the Bible, some of, some of the translations use servant or bond servant, and we talk about being servant, but servant kind of cleans it up a little bit, doesn't it? Kind of makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. The word in the Greek here is the word doulos. The word is slave. That Paul says... I am a slave of Jesus Christ. Man, that is a strong word. And you're going to see this theme of, of being a slave because you and I, doesn't matter who you are today, we are all a slave to something. You're a slave to something. You're a slave to hurt. You're a slave to a habit. You're a slave to a hangup. You're a slave to sin. You're a slave of, to your flesh. That you and I, we all have these things that we are slave to. Jesus said this, that no one could serve two masters. Meaning that there is a master and it is he. And if he's the master, then we are the slaves. That he has this picture that no one can serve two masters. That there is this master. And so you are either a slave to Jesus or you are a slave to sin. You are either a slave to Jesus, or Satan is your master. Now, 
Here's the thing. I've used the, the latter illustration. I think I've used it four or five times. I know I've used it at the high school. I, the last time I used it was when we, were, we had COVID. And uh, I talked about this concept of when we think about life and how life works. And, and I think I've used it here before. I think I've used it four or five times. It is my favorite illustration when talking about the, the, our identity. Because in our culture, the culture says, you go up, you go up, you go up, you go up. You become the chairman. You become a doctor. You become a lawyer. Not anything's wrong with any of those things. But the, the culture, it says that you go up. This is my stepladder. This is my stepladder. I never knew my real ladder. <laughs> so, I got that from Scott Moore. <laughs> but in the culture of following Jesus, it's not that you go up. The culture of following Jesus is that you take the lowest. Now, let me ask you, is there anything lower than a slave? I can't think of anything. That your identity and my identity is that I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. You know what that word means? The word doulos, a slave, the picture of a slave, is I am wholly available to my master. Wholly available. Now, Robert Boyd Munger wrote a book years ago called My Heart, Christ Home, where he talked about our lives being like a house. Our lives are like a house and that we often don't give Jesus full access to our entire house. As a matter of fact, we say things when people say their house, make yourself at home, but we really don't mean that. You don't want to wake up and somebody's in your shower. I just thought I'd use some, or they're in your bed. I mean, what we say is this area right here, you can make yourself home. There's some snacks and some, you know, the fridge is there, but we're not saying all areas of my house are open to you. That's, that's pretty, unless it's family and sometimes not even family. What's well, kind of what we do with Jesus. When you make yourself a slave to Jesus, if you think of your, your, your life like a house, what you're saying is, Every part of my life is fully available to you. Every part. The things that I want to do, the things that I don't want to do, you tell me, I'm going to do it. You're the master. I'm the slave. Now, why would anybody do that? That sounds, you may think, well, that sounds miserable. I didn't sign up for that. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is exactly what you signed up for. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, what we have found is that in voluntarily making ourselves slaves and making Jesus our master, we have found freedom that we can never find on our own. I spent my whole life trying to find freedom before I found Christ. Trying to find an identity that didn't last. And Jesus said it like this, and I'll just hear the words that he said. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, this is in John 8, 31, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That when you follow Christ, he sets us free. Then they replied, but we are descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of family, 
but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son has set you free, you will be free. And Jesus tells us this, that we voluntarily make ourselves slaves to him so that we can find freedom that we can never find anywhere else. Now, here's the thing. I read these words and I talk about making myself wholly available to God. And I just confess to you, there's some areas in my life I need to work on. Maybe that's you. Then I would confess those and repent. And I would recommit myself to the call that Jesus, that you are his slave. Now let me just share one more thing. I'm beating it to death because I feel like it's important. It's a theme you're going to hear again over and over again about being a slave to fear, about being a slave to sin. When you read the letters in the New Testament, Paul called himself a slave to Jesus. Peter called himself a slave to Jesus. Timothy was called a slave of Jesus. Jude called himself a slave to Jesus. That the ones who knew Jesus the most, the ones who were there, the ones who gave their lives, considered themselves slaves to Christ. So could we think of ourselves any differently? Second word, sent. Sent with the gospel. We are sent with the gospel. Now, read you the scripture right here where it talks about the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. He's talking about that Jesus was human, fully human, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was fully God. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That he's talking about that we have been sent by Jesus. We've been sent, that we are on this message, we are sent the, the good news is about Jesus' son that we are sent because of what Jesus has done. We are a sent people. Now, I don't know if you've ever been sent somewhere. I, I, uh, there have been times when our kids were growing up when Leslie would say, we don't have any milk. Well, then I'm sent on a mission. You ever been there? But when she really says, hey, we're out of diapers, that is a mission where you're going to get, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not dealing because I know what that's going to look like when I get home. Not from her, but from some big mess we got to clean up. But sometimes we're sent on a mission. Well, I'm going to invite Krista Moore on the stage. She's my second object lesson. Come on up, Krista. Welcome her warmly. She's going to talk about what God's doing in her life. This is Krista. This is Cameron's wife, and she is uh, mother of two. And she came to me last year and talked about um, just a leaning, uh, a leading that God had placed on her life uh, to go to be sent. And so, Krista, tell us about where, where the Lord's been leading you. I'm a crier, so I'm already starting. <laughs> I warned Gary Cam read over my notes, and I start crying, and he was the one saying the words. <laughs> So, um, just a little background. Uh, last semester, Cam and I led Experiencing God. It was one of our growth groups. Um, and so God did a lot of character changing just in my life, um, just growing me closer to him. Um, and throughout that, the end of our semester, there was a question. And it said, um, what was the first time that I ever heard and experienced the Lord speaking directly to me? And so I thought about it. Like, what was the first time? Like, I w I've been a Christian since I was a little kid. I, I became a Christian at seven. But where did God 
speak directly where this is personal to me. Um, and so I thought about it, and uh, I think the first time I ever felt God so real in my life was on a mission trip. Um, I was 13 years old, um, and God called me to go to Africa, which sounded crazy, sending a 13-year-old to Africa. Um, sounded more like a dream to a kid, but I just was so convinced that I was supposed to go to Africa. Um, and I was supposed to go love on these kids and uh, work with these orphanages. And God did an amazing work. Um, and I felt like he provided thousands of dollars for me to go. My parents said, you know, if the Lord's calling you, he's going to provide. They can't afford it. Um, and so this money came in and it was crazy. And then God transformed my life at 13 years old. That's when I first felt God. Um, and there's a lot of stories that go with that. But I thought that mission trip is what really... I don't know, was, was the defining moment in my life where I experienced him. And so the idea of missions kind of came back. This is kind of late November, early December that I'm thinking about this and just thinking about missions and um, just my heart for that. I've been on a lot of mission trips growing up, but I haven't recently. You know, we got married and we we're in college and there just weren't a ton of opportunities and just that stage of life just wasn't a uh, where I got to go do that kind of stuff. Um, I did that all kind of in middle school, high school um, and so missions was kind of on my mind, just praying about, just praying about that. Um, I was also thinking about what does God want me to do this spring semester? Am I supposed to lead another growth group? Um, do I do one with Cam? Do I do one on my own? Um, just a lot of areas. And, uh, the, the last verse that we were memorizing was Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It said, and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And uh, I'd read this going through Experiencing God the year before, and that's kind of what really stirred my heart for women's ministry, um, especially with our campus. Um, just starting to get fellowship events, um, that was just kind of on my heart. And so I had a love for that, wanted to start something. I feel like I'm the most unqualified person to do that, but I felt like it was important and I needed it. I need other mom friends in my life. Um, I need older women in my life. Um, and so just having fellowship with women. So I was thinking about what that might look like for this spring semester with our church. Um, so missions and women's ministry was on my mind, um, all in the same week. <laughs> and so I'm praying about this as we are about to start the new year and, I uh, had my family over for dinner. Um, and so at the end of our meal, I had my parents, my siblings, and my Nana, and, uh, my dad said, Hey, Krista, I have a mission trip opportunity for you. Are you interested? And I was like, Whoa, like that hasn't come to me in years to have an opportunity to come up like that. And I thought the same week that God put my Africa mission trip on my mind, um, God brought my dad to say, I've got an opportunity for you. And so, um, said, yes, I'm interested. You know, it's been something on my mind. Um, he says, well, it's a, it's a mission trip that only you can do. I literally can't even do it. Um, I will come with you, but it's a women, it's a mission trip for women and women only. And so I thought, wow, those are two things that I prayed about that week. Um, it's a, it's a mission trip specifically for pastors' wives. Um, originally he said Romania, um, which is an area that his church partners with. Um, and it's something that my mom has gone and done before with another pastor's wife where they would go do a pastor's wives retreat. Um, and she passed away last year. And so this year, 
her request was for my mom to go and to take her two daughters um, and go lead this pastor's wives retreat. And so I was immediately interested in it, um, talked to Cam, prayed about it, you know, going to Romania was a crazy idea. Um, and I've never been away from kids and all that kind of stuff. So I prayed about it a lot. Um, part of me going is to help speak, but also lead the worship with my sister. I can play keyboard. Um, and so we were kind of asked to do that, but really that is what opened the door. Um, but then, uh, a lot happened in Ukraine right next to Romania. Um, everybody knows a year ago this war broke out. And so the Romania trip turned into, they want to send all their resources to the Ukraine pastor's wives. So that's what kind of brought up, um, what I'm going to be doing, but that, the women's ministry and missions kind of came together where it was God evidently saying that this is something that I need to do. Um, so that was kind of brought to me November, December. So going to, you, you're going to Ukraine to ministers to pastors' wives. And when I was talking to Krista about this, um, the churches there obviously are in shambles. That they have become, instead of becoming churches, they have become uh, shelters and the pastors are worn out. The pastor's wives are worn out. And so they want to go and minister to the pastor's wives. Why do you want to do that? There's a lot going on in Ukraine and I've been following it. Um, and the idea of a ministry for the women specifically, man, that is so on my heart. Um, but I'm going to read a couple facts of just what's going on and why I want to go. Um, but right now, Ukraine has been at war for exactly one year this February. Um, villages of 12,000 people only have around 400 now. There's not one building without damage in all of eastern and southern Ukraine. Uh, 140 evangelical churches are now gone. Remaining churches are now holding three to four services every single Sunday. Um, and I've been hearing about all these things, um, and it breaks your heart to know that people across the world, especially Christians, are just um, in shambles right now. And, and I know a lot of the world, I mean, our church has been praying for Ukraine um, when that happened. But um, the thought of, there's a lot going on with the pastors. Obviously, they're surrounded with all these things, um, and they're ministering, and they're doing three to four services every Sunday because of all the people coming over to the other half of the country um, fleeing the war. Um, and, and my dad's church has really partnered to help the pastors. They've sent a lot of resources. They've loved on them. They have construction buildings um, or construction teams ready to be sent out whenever it's free to go help restore some of the damage. But the need right now is for the pastor's wives. And uh, they have been hosting families in and out of their homes for a year just strangers in and out trying to get people to where they need to go, get them out of the country or to find other things. All their husbands have been recruited for the war. So it's all women and children who are coming in and out of their homes, but they're also raising their own families. You know, they've got young kids um, and their husbands are gone because the pastors are all um, out ministering. Um, and so just thinking about the burden and, and just being burnt out of just constantly giving yourself, um, to, to help and to love and to minister. Um, and so my heart is to just go love on them. Um, the thought of being able to spoil them with a really nice gift basket and just be able to lead worship with them, um, speak with them, but also just love on them, support them, um, give them 
three full days of just rest and renewal because they're pouring out and we want to pour into them. Um, so that's kind of my heart and what I want to do. <laughs> and so Krista asked me if we would support her. She asked me if I would support her. And I said, yes, um, that less than I would be supporting her financially. I thought it would be a great opportunity for us to support um, this, uh, this calling that she has. And so she has a table set up outside uh, in the atrium uh, where you can give. Uh, the, I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you can give checks to... Her dad is the pastor of First Baptist Jonesboro. His name is Mel. Uh, great family. Um, and you can make checks out to First Baptist Jonesboro, mark them for Ukraine, and Crystal will be out there for a few weeks. Um, but here's, here's what I want you to hear, and I'm going to let her talk in just a second. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> Depends if she cries again. No. We're all sent. Hear me. Like this is a great object lesson. Paul said that he was sent. In Romans 1.1, 1, 1, he says, I'm sent. sent. I'm sent for the gospel. We're sent locally. Your friends, listen to me. They need Jesus. Your family. Ball team, you hear me talk about this all the time. I'm telling you, they need Jesus Christ. But we're sent globally. We're sent globally. Like, uh, there's a thing sometimes in the American culture, we feel like we started Christianity, and it's all about it. It's not. We're here today because someone was sent. Someone came. And so, we're sent. And I'm hoping that in the next today and the next weeks that you'll partner with Krista and uh, and listen, um, Cam's going to need a lot of help. This trip is in May, correct? Yeah, May 14th. Cam's going to be begging for help, y'all. Okay, <laughs> two kids by yourself for how many days? Ten. Ten days. So that he'll be throwing them at her when she comes back. Anyway, so <laughs> but we'll help him as well. And I'm super excited about anybody wanting to go. And so, anything else, Krista? Yeah, I think my prayer is. I'd love for our church to be praying for the women specifically that I'll be ministering to. There's going to be between 15 and 20, and that will be narrowed down this week of who that is, and I'll actually get the names of them. Um, and so something that's coming up with the women's ministry, we have an event coming up that we're going to be praying for that. Um, but pray for them, but also pray for just my heart and preparation to go. Um, I've been challenged just through some different readings that I need to be so close to the Lord that he can truly use me as a vessel. Um, I don't want to be a distraction. You know, I don't want to just go because it's a good opportunity. I want God to really use me. Um, so I pray that I can remain close. Um, but also pray for our safety. Um, Stephanie wanted me to clarify that I am going to Ukraine. Um, that is a war country. I will not be flying into Ukraine because everything flown in gets shot down. Um, so the location is going to be determined in the next couple of weeks. When in determining that, I will either fly into Romania and cross the border, which is safe to do, which is very thorough, <laughs> um, and then or Poland. So depending on where the safe location we can do this retreat for the ladies, um, just pray for the safety of travel there. Um, we have two guys coming with us to just kind of escort us there, and then once we get there, this mission trip is going to be my, my mom, me, and my sister. So once we get to this location we will stay there um and do a retreat for three days then they'll come pick us up and then we'll head back so the travel is three days there three days back and three days of just ministering to the to the ladies so i'm gonna pray for Kristen now all right i'm gonna ask you to pray with me 
I'm going to put my hand on you, okay? Father, we thank you that uh, you call us. Lord, you call us to places and to unknowns and to minister and to serve. And Lord, I know that you're calling Christ. So Lord, I pray first of all for peace for her in this calling. I pray for Spirit's power in all her preparation. Lord, we pray for her safety. Pray for her and her mom and her sister, their safety. Lord, we pray that they would be the hands and feet of Jesus to this group of ladies that have just seen so much that have had their lives turned upside down. And Lord, I also pray for resources. I pray for their needs to be met, that, uh, that Lord, you would supply all their needs. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for hearing our prayer. Amen. Would you give Krista a hand? Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Krista. All right, last word, saved. Last word is saved. All right. I'm saved by the good news. Here's, here's the crazy part about this. If we go to that scripture, it says, Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell the Gentiles everyone, everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And then he talks, he's talking to the Jews, and you are included in this. That He talks about this unifying factor of how we are saved, that we are saved. Because here's the thing. Here's the crazy part about the gospel, and it is so crazy. It doesn't matter if today's your first day. You're saved the same way if you're a charter member of Eastridge. It doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for 50 years or 50 minutes. You're saved the same way. It doesn't matter if you've sinned greatly, wildly, mildly, consistently. It doesn't matter. You're saved the same way. You are saved by what Christ has done for you. Now, here's the thing. This is why I bring this up, because here's what was going on. They were saying that you had to do. Most religions equate that you being saved, that you, you have to do something. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do that. And I know you're like, doesn't Christianity do that? No, 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 it doesn't do that. Christianity is, is this. It's what's been done for you that Jesus Christ has done these things, that he's done this, that you've, uh, the gospel about what God has done in your life, that that's what it's about, that it's done. And here's the thing. There's nothing that you can do that's going to save you. There's not. You can't be good enough. You can't be smart enough. I can't either. You can't. You're not going to race. It's not like if I, the scale, if I got more good things than bad, then God's going to accept me. And that's not how it works. It's only through Jesus Christ. It's only through him, what he did on the cross, that that's what the message of the gospel is, that Christ has saved you. And so, it's what's been done with you. Jesus went to the cross. Because of this, then we do things. We don't do things to be saved. We do things because we are saved. Because here's the thing. I can't do anything to save myself, but because Christ has saved me, I'll do a bunch of stuff I may not want to do. I'll do a bunch of stuff that may not come naturally. I'll do it because, man, Christ has saved me. And to me, it's the most unifying thing that there is. Is there one more scripture? Yes. He says, I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy, own holy people. And then he says this, may God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. There's grace and peace in this, y'all. Hear me. There's no grace and peace here. This is an endless, fruitless search. This is where peace is found. Three words. Slave. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. 
sent. I'm sent by Jesus Christ. I'm saved because of Jesus Christ. That's where we're going in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about it. Excited about this series. I, I would ask you to, once you get a bookmark, once you watch the, uh, the podcast uh, today, the After Church podcast, or whenever you have time, but let's study up on this and let's learn about this. I'm going to close with a prayer. Maybe you're here today and you've never understood this part right here. That it doesn't matter who you are. and It doesn't matter what you've done. You can be saved. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ wants to do to you. He wants to save you. He wants you to have hope. He wants you to have purpose. He wants you to have forgiveness. And so I'm going to pray for you. Father, we come to you. Lord, humble that you would want to save us. Father, so many times I don't feel worth saving. I certainly don't feel worth your dying for me. But you did. You did it for all of us. You knew everything that we would do. And you still chose to do this. So, Father, I thank you for saving us. Father, my prayer today is that we would find freedom in making ourselves slaves to you, surrendering all the areas of our lives and trying to follow you to the best of our abilities. And that, Lord, we will be sent. We will consider ourselves people who are sent with the good news, telling people everywhere that they, too, can be saved. They, too, can find hope. They can be forgiven. So use us, Lord. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And Chris has got a table out in the atrium. I hope you'll go by there. Have a great day.